Well, good morning. Good to see everybody again today. I thought I've been up here three or four times already. It's like running a circus. Uh, but it is good to be here. It is good to, to see you. I hope you've had a, a good week. It had a little bit of snow in it again, right? Okay, and that, that's the last one. I'm speaking a word of prophecy there. Uh, that's the last one for this, this winter. Oh, no, we're going to all find out I'm not a prophet. Um, but, uh, I, I, hey, I hope maybe you had this week not just a chance for some snow, but, but uh, maybe you had a little chance to get out on a date, huh? And, and discuss a little bit. We got one, yes. Uh, discuss a little bit of the, the good parts of our story. You know, remembering some of those things that, that make us being together good. And, and boy, when we do that, it can really help motivate and, and give kind of a right attitude and perspective when we deal with some of the parts of our relationship that are, that are not as good, that are maybe a little bit more difficult or, or a little bit more challenging. Maybe you had a little time this week to just think on how you think about your mate and your marriage and how that might be affecting things. Well, that's what we got started with last week as we started this series on marriage. And uh, I came up with this brilliant idea that, that we would have time in our marriage where we talk about issues and things in our marriage when there is no issue. When, when there's no fight, when, when, when there's nothing uh, emotional going on that's got us all wound up. Because that's about the only time we tend to talk about things in our marriage. So we said, hey, what if we went out on a date when there's nothing on the table and, and, and there's, nobody has to win or lose and, and we just start talking and working and discussing these areas to build, to encourage and, and to make them better. It's, again, a brilliant idea on my part. There, there's just one small problem with my idea. I, I don't know if you thought about that this week or you saw through my little scheme here. But, but you know, my idea implies that, that we can go out and begin a conversation about an area of our marriage completely at neutral. And that's not really the case. All of the areas of our marriage, if we've been married for like more than three months, uh, all of our areas have a history, right? I mean, take, take today, for instance, in a moment, we're going to talk about the specific area of, of money. And, and so we go out, we go out to have this conversation about the finances when we're all smiling and giddy because it's a happy moment, right? But the moment we start discussing that, I mean, the reality is there's, there's some bills at home, maybe some are, we're a little bit anxious about. We, we already know that we kind of approach this two different ways. We've had discussions about that, right? We, we, we know that we kind of look at this and handle this differently. We, we even know, we even remember exactly where we left off the last time we had a discussion about money, right? And I mean, you don't have to be two sentences into the date before you're right back there at that last place. So it's a little bit like dancing through a minefield to have these conversations and not just end up in a fight. So, you know, let's be clear here. We are not going on these dates to fight, right? Now, that's easier said than done, but it, but it does begin with being said. It, we do have to say it. That, that's not our purpose here. Our purpose is not to talk about what we disagree. It's to talk about what we agree. It is to build oneness in our marriage. Listen, this is God's mandate on your date. Did you know that God had a command for your date? 
Well, it's not, it's not just your date, it's your whole of marriage. But look what he says in Genesis 2.24. I think this should sound familiar. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast. That's what the result of the date is to be. That we're holding fast to each other. That, that we become one flesh. Boy, it'd be nice if a, a pastor or somebody could just pronounce that about your marriage. And boom, there it is. You're now one forever. Well, a pastor can pronounce it, but it's a whole lot of work to make it happen, right? We can pronounce it at the vows, but it really is a whole, a whole lifestyle of, of work. Amos comes along very practically, and this is not a, a verse just about marriage. It's just about life and relationships in general, but it certainly applies to what we're talking about. Do two walk together unless they agree? I mean, that, that's kind of the goal of the date. We want to keep walking together, but to do that, we've got to agree. We've got to agree that we're going to walk through these finances. We're going to walk through this sexual issue. We're going to walk through these children, not on them, through the children. Uh, we're, we're going to walk through this together. It begins with an agreement. You see, going after oneness is a commitment. It, and it's not just on the date, Right? Man, we're, we're thinking about how we agree, how we build oneness in, in every conversation, in, in decisions, in how we act, and in, in how we react. So obviously we're going to do that on a date, right? That's the goal of the date. Now, having said that, I, I do get it. I, I, I do get that as much as we might want that for the date, want that with our mate, the reality is sometimes we're heading out on that date and we're, we are wound tight. You know, there, there is, it may not even be the issue we're going out to talk about, but, but there is an issue. There are some issues. They're, they're, they're serious. They're heavy. They're, they're just bringing a lot of weight to the marriage. And we're in real disagreement about that issue or, or those issues. It's kind of hard to go out and just smile and just one. Yay. Yeah, it is hard. But you're still not going to deal with that on the date. The date is not for where we disagree. Folks, we don't need a place for where we disagree. We come up with those places easily, don't we? I mean, anywhere, anytime, let's do it right now. Right now, we're going to deal with this. We don't need a special place to handle what we disagree about. We need a place we're going to talk about what we agree. Folks, we have to treat these dates as sacred sacred opportunity one two hours out of a whole week of fighting i go home and have your fight there's well, i'm not encouraging you to go home and have a fight but i'm saying that that'll happen we don't need a place for the fight we need a place for for where we agree and so that's what we're working on that's what these dates are trying to build and so now we turn the corner and we're, we're talking about finances so we're we're going out on a date to discuss what 50% of all of our fights are about, statistically speaking. We're going out to discuss what year after year after year is ranked as the number one reason we're going to get a divorce. And we're going to go out and just put a big smile on, right? How do we go out and how, there are, there are bills at home. There is tension in our marriage over this, but, but the pastor said we're not here to fight, so what are we going to talk about, right? I mean, if we're not fighting, what is there left? We talk about what we agree. I'm not trying to be overly repetitive. I'm just trying to be overly repetitive. 
Say, well, what, well what, what do we agree on? Well, you know what you agree on. Go, you go out, and what we're going to discuss... Last week, remember, I gave you the long list. No list today. You're going to go out and you're going to discuss two, two things. Let's talk about our budget. We, we built a budget together. We, we work on the budget together. We agree on the budget. Let, let's talk about that. Let's talk about our financial goals. Let, let's talk about our budget. What's the goals in our marriage of our finances? We built those together. We manage those together. And so we're going to go out. We're going we're to discuss these things. Every now and then we need to tweak a little bit. And, and we're going to say prayer over them and go on with a good date, right? Now, there's just one little problem with what I do. Well, there's a lot of problems with the stuff I say. Maybe I shouldn't be the one pointing that out. But there is a problem in there. You see, I just made a huge assumption that is wrong. I, I just assumed that we could go out and talk about our budget that we built together, of which most marriages in here do not have a budget that they built together. I, I just assumed we have agreed upon, built together goals. No, we don't. More than likely, we don't. In other words, the reason we can't have a positive conversation on finances is because we never built any place that we agree. We don't have a home base to run to and touch and, and say, safe. <laughs> so we need to do that. We, we need to build that common ground. And I want to tell you something. It's going to sound like a commercial, but it's just, it is the fastest, it is the best, it is the most efficient way to build that right now is to take a class. It, 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 it just is. There's hardly a distant second place in line. The best way you can do that is to, is to take a class. Because when you take a, a, and I would say a biblically based financial management class, what you do is you, you start at ground zero and together you start building a budget, you build these goals, but it's more than that. You're building it together. You've got a common language. You've got common thoughts. You have the same starting place to go back to. See, we all enter marriage with financial ideas and spending and habits already in place. And those weren't built together. They, they were built individually. They were built separately. That's not one. That's two. And so by taking a class together, we're kind of forced to have a new starting point. A new place that we build a budget together, that we build those goals together. And would you believe we just happen to have a class starting soon? You've seen that the last couple of Sundays being promoted on the, on the video. We have a class starting next Sunday. We rarely do these kinds of classes on a Sunday. Uh, normally these are midweek, but folks, we are doing everything we can right now to encourage, to help, to invest in your marriage. We're starting next Sunday, Financial Peace University. That's a Dave Ramsey class. I, I would imagine some of you are familiar with him. Very popular on radio, on TV. I'm very excited that he's very popular because what he does is biblically based. I mean, it's exciting to see somebody getting such national attention as kind of being the lead personal finance management guru and is building it out of scriptures. And so we're going to be, we're going to be offering that class and uh, you do have to, to register for it. Uh, you, can't, you can't just show up. Uh, this one you have to, to register for. The cost is, is $75. That sounds like a lot. To me it does. Uh, but we actually have covered some of that cost. The material is $100. Uh, I, think, I do think we get a discount for kind of bulk ordering. Uh, and then from that discount we kind of round down 
to, to $75 trying to save you as much as, you, as we can. But uh, you have to pre-register. You can, last week we looked at the church app and you could click on sermon notes. Well, right there on the same page as sermon notes, you'll see event registration. And uh, so just tap on that and you'll scroll down. You'll see Financial Peace University. It'll give you all the information uh, that, that you need to, to get signed up for that and to do that. And, and it, it, when I say a class, it, it's eight, nine weeks long, something like that. You do have to go through the whole class, but you walk out. And, and folks, you've taken the biggest step you can take to wiping 50% of your arguments for the rest of your marriage off the table. That's a pretty profound thing that can happen pretty quickly. Uh, and, and, and become one in an area that's so hard to be one. Now, I said there's a distant second. I, I do want to put all the options out there. A, a distant second place would be to, to read a book. Uh, you know, to get a book together that, that you'll work through. I've got two up here. Uh, that I recommend, Complete Guide to Money by Dave Ramsey. Same material that we're going to be using in the, in the class, the Family Budget Workbook by Larry Burkett. Now, I'm a, I'm a big reader, and I'm a big promoter of reading in and for your marriage. Because, you know, a lot of times we'll say, hey, go home and talk about this. And then you go home and you look at each other and go, what are you going to talk about? I don't know. Okay, let's watch the game. You know, what a book does, not, not just on money, on money, on sex, on your marriage in general, on parenting. When you work through a book together, then chapter by chapter, you kind of have a methodical way of discussing that topic that's not argument related, that's not issue related. The chapter says, hey, we're talking about this this week. And so I like books. The reason I call this a distant second to really helping you right now is because I know how we buy books. I know, some of you are buying it right now. You're doing it right now. I'm going to get that book right now. And it'll get to your house and you'll take it in and you'll set it on the kitchen table and it'll sit there for three weeks. And then somewhere along the third or fourth week, you'll move it to a shelf or under something and there it will live the rest of its life. Yeah, no, there's nothing wrong with books. We just don't read them. Or we get started reading it and it gets kind of hard and, and ugh, this is no fun. Hey, I almost can guarantee you this isn't about having fun. It is about you having the best marriage possible and finances not be something that are a constant attack on that marriage. And so it, it is challenging. A class kind of keeps us moving, keeps us working, getting from one to topic to the, the next as we work through that. But, but the material, the books are, will, will give you what you need for that. You know, one of the biggest things these will give you, as will the class, is what goes in each budget item. Most of us don't know. Nobody's born with that knowledge. Uh, hey, you can be super, you can be an accountant, you can be super successful in business and very prosperous. That doesn't mean you know how much goes on the line. What, how much should we be spending on auto? How much should we be spending on, on housing? These books with are people who have worked with thousands of income levels, thousands and thousands of, of couples and, and, and budgets, and they've said, hey, you know, you really need to be about this in, in your budget. Like for auto. This is, because this, the reason I pull out auto, this is where almost every American lives out of balance. Auto should not be more than 15% of your budget. And you're sitting there thinking, well, our car payments, yeah, I, I don't think that'd be. It's not just your car payments. Car payments, gas, maintenance, insurance, all of it, 15%. 
Most of us live way out of balance just on that one. Now, you might be at 18 and say, well, I, I can go over here and I can get 2 or 3% because I don't need this area as much. And you know what? You can do that. I mean, obviously, your budget can't add up to 103%, can it? Well, obviously, Americans are trying to do that. But no, it can't add up to 103. So where's that 2 or 3 come? What's well, going to come from over here? We might can do that, but do you realize when we're doing that, we're assuming something about our finances for the next five, six years. And guess what? You don't know what your finances are going to be next year. You don't. Good reason to guess, and I hope that's what ends up happening. But changes happen. Changes happen financially. And so we're assuming that that I can be at 18% always, and and, and we can't. And so this gives you the... the target on each line, housing, auto, debt retirement, groceries, the, the whole thing, so you know what it is you're, you're shaping around. So you take the class, you, 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 you get the books, and you start working through this, and you build that together. Guess what you have? You now have your common ground to go out and talk about on a date. And let me remind you, you go out on the date. Hey, we're kind of discussing where we are on the budget, what we're doing, how are we doing with our goals, are we holding to our goals. All we're really doing, not there to fight, we're not fighting. Remember, we're going to keep saying that. We're there to reaffirm what we've already decided, recommit to what we've already decided, be aware of what we've already decided, say blessing over it, and go on with the rest of our date. And and, and that's what we do here. No, No long list, that's... That's pretty much it. Now, I don't want to be a class in the remainder of our time or or a book, but I do want to give you a little shot at what financial goals look like, what it is we're talking about and discussing. And, And so I think the first goals we ought to be talking about is God's goals for our marriage, right? And and probably in this case, goals is not a good word, probably directives. God gets to give directives on our money. Do you know why? Because it's His. All of it. Not just the part you give or are supposed to give. 100% of your stuff is His stuff. Folks, one of the most profound principles you can learn in the Bible is stewardship. You and I are stewards. We are managers. We're managers of the days we're given. We're managers of the resources we're given. We're managers of the relationships we're given. We're managers of all the good in our life. We're managers of all the bad in our life. And you and I manage this in a way that trains our children how to manage that trains our grandchildren how to manage. We manage in a way, I mean, here's the idea, that as the world watches, it becomes a lure. Hey, I want to know what the Scripture says. Hey, I want to know what Christ is doing in your life. That, that's, what our, that's what we do as far as our Christ. We are, biblical words, stewards. We are managers, and we are to manage. And folks, you can't be a good manager. This isn't just about if you got all your bills covered and are financially doing well. You know, it's not a problem for me. I'm okay. You have to answer to God for 100% of what you did with 100% of your resources. And there's no way to manage appropriately and ignore the owner. In most cases, ignoring the owner gets you... It's not, it's not a trick question. It starts with an F. Fired. Say it. Go ahead. Fired. It won't hurt. There we go. Yeah, it gets us fired when we ignore the owner. Aren't you grateful for the grace of Jesus? We don't necessarily get fired, but that doesn't mean life works right. 
So we want to manage according to him. So what does he give us? Well, he says, honor, honor God first with the resources, with the tithe. The reason I put, the, the, I didn't put the word first there. The scripture in multiple places puts the word first. You know what first does? You know, there's a lot of things that happen when we give. We're, when, when we give, we just gave a moment ago. I mean, I hope part of it is, hey, man, I just want you to know how much I love you, Lord. Right? We give gifts to people we love. Some of it's faith. Hey, God, I give Because I want you to know I depend upon you, not this money. I depend upon you. You're my faith. So we're giving out of an act of love. We're giving out of faith. We're we're giving out of worship. But I think really one of the big things we're doing when we give first. What does first mean? It means the first thing I do with these before any other decisions are made, before anything else is spent. I pull this out. I give it to the Lord. I'm saying, God, I get it. This is yours. You get to direct it. Maybe not what I'd have done with it. But it's not mine to decide. It's yours to decide. And you've directed it this way. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, well, if God's got everything, why does he need what I have? Uh, God does have everything. Just because he puts some of it in your pocket, you see, he is using it. He puts it in our pocket to see if he can trust us with it. To give us a chance to come alongside and be a part of who he is and, and what he's doing. So we honor God first. Number or number B and C uh, are, are kind of the same. Prioritize, protect. Basically what both of those are saying. And this is biblical. Folks, this is not what I'm suggesting. Please read these scriptures. Read what God is directing. Read what can happen to your life and your budget when you do what God has said. And by the way, B and C are great passages to show that God the only thing God has to say about money is how you give it to him God's not trying to get something from you he has a lot of directives that are not about you giving he says hey listen I want you to be able to provide for your family I want you to be able to pay for your bills prioritize it meaning I'm not doing anything down here that affects my ability up here what's that mean these things ought to these ought to rate as priorities like one and two and three and four. Now, folks, in a given month, you and I are we're spending money on what? Fifty things? A hundred things? Let's say we spend money on a hundred things. And and like thirty of those are priorities, things that have to happen, have to happen every every month. What happens? Man, I've seen this over and over and over. What happens is we start making financial decisions or we just fly off on a whim and we start providing for priority number 27 and 29 and number 30 and all of a sudden now I'm challenged to be able to make number 3, 4, and 5 happen. And that's happening all over America. Because I want 29 and I'm not going to think about what it does to number three. So when we're prioritizing and we're protecting, what we're doing is we're pulling that out of the resources. That is taken care of and all decisions are made on what's left after these things are being done. So the scripture is giving us guidance on that. The scripture says be wary of borrowing. You know, the scripture does not, contrary to, to maybe what some people think, it is not a sin to borrow. It is not a sin to get a loan. Nowhere does it say you cannot do that. Now, the reason we might think otherwise is because the Scripture also has absolutely not one positive thing to say about borrowing. Not, not one. It has hundreds of negative things. It doesn't say you can't, but it says this is what ends up happening. This, this is what ends up resulting. And so it says, man, really with super caution, this ought to be the last thing you do before 
you know, pursue every other option before you get alone. And understand, folks, the scripture might say that not getting something ought to be one of the options. It's not, well, I looked at every way to do this and alone's the only way. No, maybe one of the ways to do this is to not do it. Now, it's tricky applying scripture, uh, you know, in modern America because... uh, I mean, we've kind of created an economy where there's a handful of things you almost can't do. I mean, I don't want to say it's impossible, but it's right up whatever next to the word impossible to get a home in America without a loan, right? Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible to get a car. Sure, difficult. Um, Now, college, that would be another one because it costs about what it costs to get a home to go to college. I mean, these are things. Now, the good news is... Unlike the rest of history, unlike much of humanity, our country has laws in place that kind of guide and protect this this lender and borrower relationship that creates some of the problems that Scripture is warning against. But even with that reality, folks, you can still look around at what's going on in the family and what's going on in marriage and say, you know what, God's Word still holds true. Even with our laws and protections, There's a lot of things that happen in borrowing and a lot of those things are not good. And and so be very wary of that. And then the last one, I bet you've never seen that in a budget. You think, what? Do you have money to give away? Isn't that what this is up here? Can I just put that all under that? No, God directs where that's to go. But God has so much to say about people who are free and generous and what that can mean to your prosperity, what that can mean to your budget. Folks, we we have to put it there because God says so much about it and he says what it can mean to your budget. Now, God does not direct a certain amount. God does not direct a, a percentage like he does up here. And so don't get overwhelmed by this. Hey, you may say, hey, all I can do is $5. Then budget $5 a month. But, well, $5 isn't going to help anybody. You know what, folks, I have found? Sometimes it's not the amount. It's that when you give that to them, it's just that somebody knew and saw and cared. That, that can be the huge ministry. So it might be $5 for a while. Then as you get used to it, maybe it's 25 And then maybe it's 100 Well, who are these others? I mean, who are they? Extended family? Church family, there's a lot of verses about how you and I are to help and support each other during hard and and difficult times. We're to be ready to do that. How are we ready? I don't have enough myself. No, you're never going to have enough if you're just waiting for just a big wad of cash to be sitting in your pocket for no reason. No, we got to do what God said. We got to plan for it. We got to live that way. We choose to do that it, you know it's 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 a, that occasional stranger that maybe grabs our our attention and also it doesn't just have to be people we know obviously that would that that would be one place to start you might want to say you know what i'm going to use some money here uh toward ministries or agencies that i know do that well or do that in a way that i agree and so i may not know the person but what that gives me is a methodical consistent way every single month to know that my money is going to support and and help those in need but folks don't get overwhelmed by the amount but go look and read what those passages say about people who are planning, looking for the opportunity. You know, if you budget for it, you know what you're going to do? You're going to start going into your life saying, hey God, who, who, does this, who can I give this $5 to? How many people can I spread this $100 out among? And watch 
what happens in your life. So God has some directives for our marriage. You know, I say our marriage. Let me say something. Obviously, folks, everything here is for the single life as much as the married life, right? And, and not only the adult single life, the, the youth. I mean, you got youth in here. Maybe $78 a month. Hey, that's $78 belongs to God. The best time to learn how to handle that is when you're a young person before you start charging into adulthood with a mountain of mistakes that take forever to backtrack, right? So, man, we want to be teaching our kids. If you're a mom or dad, you want to be teaching your... Listen, you give them 25 cents allowance, you figure out how to make two and a half cents out of that. Right? Let's teach our our, our kids these things. Now, the next list is our goals. And I... I struggle. I don't think I've worded that right. It's not God's goals and our goals. Folks, did you know there's scripture on all this? Scripture speaks to savings, to debt retirement, uh, not the word college, but to that kind of idea. I, I, I guess I separated it between God and ours. On the other page, God has specific directives of what you and I are to do, where I think he gives advice, but it's a little bit more freedom in how or how much that you do that. You you know, one I want to point to here is just that last one. Trips, anniversaries, vacations, and gifts. Folks, do, do you realize this is an area that we spend thousands of dollars a year on, usually with little to no discussion? I mean, this isn't a little thing in our budget. This is a, I mean, for instance, we're never giving that much away. (laughs) We're not giving that to people in need. I mean, the E here doesn't match the E on the other page. I mean, if I can come up with five bucks to, but I'll spend thousands of dollars. And by the way, there's nothing wrong with that, by all means. But if we're going to spend so much money on something, shouldn't there be some kind of guide, some kind of goal? This would be a good January date, wouldn't it? Man, we go, we go out in January and we're looking out at the year ahead. Maybe even, I think, probably the next three months. So maybe it's 12 to 15 months into the next year. What big anniversaries do we come? What, what birthdays? Hey, we just came out of Christmas. Is that what we want every Christmas to look like? Is that what we do? We just, you know, or do, hey, what if we were to do this on this trip? What if we were to kind of set this amount what if we did this for the kids, the grandkids, the friends? What if we had goals? Then you've got an agreement. You've got an agreement. Now that you've got goals, you can begin planning, preparing, praying in light of those goals. Again, folks, go home and think about it. Thousands of dollars that usually have no approach at all with any planning. So you know what we do? We go out, we spend it, we take the bill, and we shove it into the budget, and we hope it works. And for a whole lot of marriages, not only does it not work, but it blows those marriages up. So let's, let's have an area of agreement. And so you see what we're building? Man, we're looking to God. We're, we're, we're building Him into this conversation. And then we're building together. And, and now we've got our areas of agreement. And now we can. Got disagreements? Yes. But we can take the next hour, the next two hours, and just talk on what we agree on. We, we kind of reaffirm it, recommit, tweak, say prayer, and go have dinner. And you know what? Here's the good news. The better we get at doing this, the nicer dinner we're going to get to have. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning, and we ask for your help to be a very good and a very faithful steward. We want to manage well under your kingship, your ownership, 
in our lives. Oh God, I want, I want my children, I want my grandchildren to fully comprehend and understand what stewardship is by just watching their mom and I. Oh Lord, may we understand this isn't just about being prosperous or we're doing fine. Lord, Lord, we, we, we need to be razor focused on this. Lord, help us to be a good steward. In the power of the Holy Spirit, help us to manage well all the resources, the, the good days and the bad days, the good situations and the bad situations. God, help us to manage it all in such a way that, that we make you attractive to a watching world. We show how good and right your word is to a watching world. Lord, we need your help in this. And Lord, I would imagine more than a few, uh, it, it, we've kind of boxed ourselves into a corner. And, and, and to turn around and, and get this fixed and to get out is, is going to be difficult. And Lord, we ask that you would, you would guide and you would provide. But Lord, I, I would also pray that we would understand prayer doesn't correct disobedience. Obedience corrects disobedience. Lord, give us, give us the motivation, give us the desire to want you, to want your word and your way in all the areas of our lives. And, and today, Lord, we, we, we ask and we pray about our finances. Oh, Lord, we need your help. And we ask for that. We thank you that you're gracious to hear and to respond. It's in Jesus' name we ask all this. Amen. Amen.